In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. No doubt we've all been shaken by the bombings and the shootings in Paris. Not only because of friends we may have there, or family, or travel. Many of us have been to those spots. These attacks feel very close, for those reasons and others. This morning we remember and we pray for the victims and their families, and we pray for all who try to live without fear or intimidation. Nous sommes forts. We are strong. Yesterday, I think Bishop Buddy put it well when she reminded us that a part of being human includes the capacity to hold conflicting feelings together at the same time. And so we can be heartbroken for the victims and their families, and and yet at the same time we can be angry at the perpetrators. We can be sad for some things, while at the same time we can be joyful for others. We can be anxious about transition, but we can be hopeful about the future. And so this morning, perhaps a little more than some Sundays, we can be mindful of all the many emotions in us and around us. We can breathe, we can pray, we can give thanks for this moment, this day, this life, even as we open ourselves ever so gently to what God may be leading us into. In various ways, the scriptures today offer ideas for times and days such as these. Times when it feels like the world is collapsing. Violence seems to be winning. Or if not collapsing, then at least the world seems to be changing in a speed that has left many of us lost. In the gospel, one of the disciples is admiring the great temple He says, look at this beautiful temple. But then Jesus has an unexpected reaction. Talk about a buzz kill. (laughs) What a great temple, the disciple says. And Jesus says, do you see these great buildings? The day will come when there won't be a single stone left. (laughs) Not one upon the other. They'll all come down. Nothing. Jesus is predicting the destruction of the temple, which in fact, would eventually happen. But we also know that, often, we know that Jesus often said two things at once, or more than two. Jesus is talking about the temple falling down, being destructive, but he's also talking about his own body, the temple of God. That temple of stones will surely be destroyed, but a new living temple of the body of Christ will arise in its place. One world will end, but another world will begin. Some worlds do end, don't they? We know that the world of our own life could end any moment with our own death. But not only with our own death. Sometimes it feels like the world ends 
when someone we know or someone we love dies. The ending expands ever outward. Scientists interpret the endings for us. Overpopulation, global warming, hunger, water scarcity, scarcity, the diseases, sun, asteroids, you name it. They tell us our world is ending. Sometimes our own world of work can come to an end as the, the job we thought was safe suddenly vanishes. The world of a relationship can end. The world of ideas or the world of opinion can end when someone challenges us or makes us think in a new way. Perhaps the person we'd planned to spend our life with dies. Maybe the home that seems so permanent is taken away. Worlds do end. Given these scary times, whether terrorists or natural disasters or everyday challenges, we might be tempted to do exactly what Jesus warns against. We might look for a quick fix. Any guru will do. A temporary authority, another messiah. We could simply numb ourselves to what's going on around us. Maybe we're tempted to pray in a magical way, to be delivered without having to do anything about it. Perhaps call on the archangel Michael, like in that book of Daniel, to to rise and fight and protect us and do all our work for us. In fact, there are those today, some of them run for office and are elected, who, who feel like they are God's chosen to be in allegiance with the angel armies. Who knows, given the chaos The madness created by warfare and terrorism, it's sometimes easy to support extreme measures for a counterattack. But the middle scripture reading today, the epistle reading, the letter to the Hebrews, offers us something else, I think, in what can first sound like criticism of Judaism and the temple priesthood. I think the letter to the Hebrews actually magnifies another aspect of scripture and theology that we sometimes overlook. The letter to the Hebrews draws a sharp contrast between the the temple priests and another priest, the high priest, the super priest, the priest to end all priests, Jesus Christ. The temple priests are always standing day by day, scripture says. Jesus sits He sits because his work is done. He's finished. Christ has undone the whole sacrificial system by offering himself a blameless victim. Perhaps no more comprehensive description exists in the English language than the beautiful words in our longer right one Eucharistic prayer. Christ, by his one oblation of himself, once offered a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, and did institute, and in his holy gospel, command us to continue a perpetual memory of that his precious death and sacrifice until his coming again. It's all right there. Continual sacrifice of bulls and turtle doves out. Perpetual memorial in. Temple priest of the old sort out. Christ, the one and only priest, in. 
What do we do about those people in between? Those people we call priests. What role do they, we, play? It's an especially relevant question as I conclude my ministry as your rector, the priest for this place. And you begin this strange interim time toward eventually calling another clergy person, another minister, another pastor, another priest. What do we do with that word? How do we use it? Well, it's interesting if we follow the collect of the day, that prayer we began our worship with, and we really do read um, and inwardly digest the Holy Scriptures, we'll find that except for the Jewish temple priest, that word priest is never used for the religious leader in charge of a congregation. Other words are used, presbyter, episcopoi, elder, overseer. The idea of a priest comes from that presbyter word and sacerdos and other ways through history and theology and practice. And it brings us to this odd in-between Anglican place where we live. This place where all may say and think priest. Some should say and think priest. But none ever shall say and think priest. If you want to call this person in front leading the worship minister or pastor priest or friend, it's a matter of theological and cultural perspective. Where the scriptures do talk about priests, however, he's talking about all of us. You are priests. Though others have raised the issue, it was Martin Luther who especially wrote and preached about this. Luther wrote, the word priest should become as common as the word Christian. Because all Christians are priests. The few Lutherans in the room are saying, Amen. Amen. (laughs) Luther knew his Bible. He remembered in Exodus where God says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Everybody. Luther knew Isaiah's word. You shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak to you as the ministers of our God. God's talking about everybody. Nobody is off the hook. Finally, Luther points to the first letter of Peter. You also are living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When it feels like we're living in apocalyptic times, when it feels like the world is collapsing, it's an especially good time to reclaim this doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. It's not just a Lutheran thing. It's not just a Protestant or Reformed thing. Actually, in Lumen Gentium, one of the principal documents coming out of Vatican II, the Roman Church says, the baptized by regeneration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit are consecrated as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood in order that they, through all those works, 
which are those of the Christian person, they may offer spiritual sacrifices and proclaim the power of him who has called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Therefore, all disciples of Christ, persevering in prayer and praising God, should present themselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Everywhere on earth, they must bear witness to Christ and give an answer to those who seek an account of that hope of eternal life, which is in them, which is in you, which is in me. If you want to have some fun over the holidays when you're around some Roman Catholic family, just sort of drop in the conversation. You know, By the way, how's your parish doing on living out the vision of Lumen Gentium, the priesthood of all believers? <laughs> Their minds will be blown. Art Lindsley is a Reformed theologian who writes about this idea of the priesthood of all believers. And he suggests that there are at least four practical implications for all of us. First, being among the priesthood of all believers, it means that we have direct access to God. Direct It's not like those old days we read about in the scriptures where the priest would go into the holiest of holies one day a year. It's not that only the one who can pray beautifully has access to God or the one who lives a holy life. But each of us, fallen, sinful, tired, in our own blessed way, it's each of us who has direct access to God. Prayer is our direct line. The second practical implications of being a part of the priesthood of all believers means that even though we don't offer bulls and turtle doves as sacrifices, as priests, all of us are to offer spiritual sacrifices. The New Testament is clear that we're all of us called to offer sacrifices, giving time and energy And focus to things such as prayer and praise and thanksgiving and repentance and justice and kindness and love. All of this empties our hearts for God and turns us to one another. The third implication of all our being priests is that we each one of us has a prophetic role to play. That means that when we see injustice, we speak out. When we see despair, we offer hope. When we see people or institutions or governments heading in the wrong direction, we speak out. And finally, because we're all priests, we work for reconciliation. Even when it's hard. Even when it goes against culture. Even in the face of violence and warfare and terror, Christ works through us so that we can work for peace. Remember, every Mass we get together, it's not our peace we offer. It's the peace of Christ that we offer. And so his peace is already alive and working in us. As priests, we're all busy people. We've got a lot to do to live out our vocation, to pray and to sacrifice and to prophesy and to reconcile. After 9-11 and still, we hear and read that phrase, if you say something, if you see something, say something. But for these times, both inside our walls and outside of them, perhaps another phrase could be used. 
If you feel something, do something. If you feel something, do something. As a priest in God's holy church. If you feel like calling or writing or visiting someone you haven't seen in a while, don't wait. Do something. If you feel like giving money or food or clothes to someone you pass along the way, don't wait to analyze the situation. Don't interview the person in need. Do something. If you feel like there should be a new program or a new, a new venture at the church addressing a particular issue, don't wait for some priest in the official sense to come along and, and, and sanctify it. Don't wait for the vestry to give you the go-ahead. Sorry, vestry. <laughs> Do something. The gospel today ends abruptly as Jesus predicts dangerous, unruly times ahead. He says in the words that we heard, this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. It can sound ominous. It also can sound exciting. This is the beginning of the birth pangs, or as another version puts it, these things are nothing compared to what's coming. And so with Christ as our guide and friend, may we all of us be priests and midwives and helpers as the Holy Spirit creates a new world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.